0: Welcome to Thoughts of a Trillionaire, (laughs) a podcast about my ongoing bet that one can become super wealthy just by making the world a better place for everyone. I share big ideas on ambitious empathy, magical technology, and epic problem solving. Welcome to the future. On this episode, I want to go into space and beyond. I want to go into uh, the idea of the great consciousness, the deep consciousness. Consciousness. (laughs) And I just want to explore these ideas that have kind of been converging in my mind lately. I uh, recently heard a podcast uh, by Anatomy of Next, called Anatomy of Next. I've seen it for a while, but had a lot of other podcasts to listen to and i finally listened to this one and i'm so happy that i did because it is absolutely phenomenal um specifically in this episode in this second season they were discussing um you know well the episode i watched was interstellar the first episode at least and it was you know discussing how we might travel beyond our solar system and maybe even farther than that and then uh, the other episodes kind of get into um basically terraforming Mars and turning that into, you know, the next base and moving us beyond, uh, across our own solar system. Um, but in addition to that, I've also been, you know, con- conversing, co- conversating, I don't know which one is the word, with, uh, my fellow radically ambitious people on the Discord. And, uh, they were kind of going into, um, the ideas that Napoleon Hill and, uh, Nikola Tesla, and um, a number of other people have kind of gotten into, in terms of uh, deep consciousness, the state of, of just being so connected with the greater universe uh, that you kind of get ideas, you get, you get visions, you get, you know, kind of uh, I guess you could say superstitious or metacognitive type of things, meta, um, meta-theoretical and all that. But at the same time, it's also been um, widely used in a lot of our, you know, kind of genius people throughout society and throughout history. And so I think that's something to explore. Um, in addition to that, that goes into, uh, I think I talked about it a little bit in past podcasts, but uh, Don Hoffman's idea of, of uh, the case against reality, where, you know, how what we see today is more an interface, like on our, the, the reality that we see, that we perceive, is more of an interface rather than a real reality. And uh, the real reality is most likely like some type of base uh, consciousness, like some type of interaction of, of, of just immaterial conscious um, individuals or, or entities. And so I want to kind of bring all of that together. Um, and the reason why is because during the Anatomy of Next podcast, um, he was discussing, I forgot with who it was, but one of the, uh, I think it was a CEO of a company called Sp- SpaceFare, um, but he was talking about uh, Dyson, you know, Freeman Dyson, uh, creative Dyson, Dyson spheres and, you know, Dyson swarms and all these other, a bunch of different, you know, equations that he had. He, he was the one that helped um, create mathematical models of Feynman's uh, models, so, uh yeah, Dyson had this theory, where he kind of put equations to the uh, evolution of, of kind of life, right? And um, he presupposed that that if life were to evolve, you know, as it as it has been now, then we could theoretically get to a point where we're not, you know. Well, we're exploring space, and we're we're kind of living in space, not as we are now, as like flesh beings and stuff like that, but maybe as more complex, larger um, species, larger beings that are that are basically interacting with each other more, that are more social, more intel- intellectual, of course, and just overall more complex beings, right? And this is kind of a hard concept to really wrap around, but. For example, he started with uh, the how our evolution started, right? Like we didn't start as humans, of course. We started as not even animals. We started as even before that, as bacteria. Even before that, as cells. Even before that, as like single, you know, celled organisms. Before that, maybe even as chemicals, <laughs> right? And they eventually, you know, um, came up to what we are now. So these these inherently super simple. Um, Kind of building blocks of life Has created these incredibly complex uh, Beings that we are now And so he kind of tries Tries to Mathematically I'm not sure if it's mathematically per se But you know Trying to show how That evolution could continue To the state at which We could be You know More More evolved beings You know Even beyond our current Shape and size and format So I think that's that, that idea kind of resonated with all these other ideas I spoke about earlier because when you think about it, you know, it, it gets down to the, the conscious um, state of, of, of kind of life, right? Where the thing that connects us as sentient beings is our ability to you know, be conscious of, of what's around us. be The ability to see the world and, you know, make conjectures upon it and basically, you know, tell stories about what we see, share those stories, and, um, just build from our own imaginations. And so we have to wonder, you know, where do these imaginations come from? You know, where where do these ideas come from that we are working on? Um, we like to say that, you know, we're just coming up with new stuff and all that, but the truth of the matter is that our brains are pretty much like computers you know it doesn't invent anything new it just takes the data that we're that we're taking in from the world it takes the data from our perceptions and it formulates information from that data you know it takes stuff around smushes things together rips things apart all this crazy you know interactions with data And it comes up with uh, what we see and what we think. So the question is, you know, does that really relate to, does that really map out to the things that we create? How is it that when we take in all this data, we can suddenly have some, you know, fully thought out, almost um, fleshed out like idea of this new concept we want to build, this new Thing we want to create this new drawing a piece of music or um, structure that we want to build you know does that really map out and i'm not so sure that it does i have a feeling and it's again it's, it gets from it becomes more abstract this is the more abstract side of it but i do have a feeling that the the, the universe is much more strange you know than we like to admit and i think einstein said it best where where he said uh Nature is stranger than fiction or something like that, right? Reality is stranger than fiction Where, uh, our reality kind of Kind of has things that exist that are real That are so much more, you know, crazy Crazier than we can, we could have imagined And the reason for that is because I think that We can't necessarily imagine, we, we just can't imagine things that we have not seen before Like this is a fact, This is how imagination works. This is how our our minds work, you know. Um, So I wonder, are there already evolved species? Are there already species or aliens, call them what you will, but like evolved species that are in the state of consciousness that is so immaterial and so, you know, much more complex than ours that they are able to kind of transmit these ideas to us. Maybe it's our future selves. Because, you know, the grand scheme of space and time, time itself is kind of uh, not straight. <laughs> it's kind of wibbly wobbly timey-wimey stuff. And uh, when we look down into the, the ideas of quantum physics and all that, the direction of time doesn't really matter. Which is an interesting concept. <laughs> when it gets down to the core um, ideas of reality, as we can currently observe it, even our reality shows that time is not straight; it's not just forward, you know. And uh, maybe that means we might not be able to. That I mean, we might not be able to time travel physically. But I have a feeling that we will be able to time travel mentally. Why? Because the the speed of light, in which you know, breaking it might allow might allow you to time travel, is impossible to break as a physical. Construct simply because of the laws of you know of matter of nature, you know the more matter you have, the the, the more energy it takes to to um, speed up. So you would take it; it would take an infinite amount of energy, and just and thus an infinite amount of mass to um, break the speed of light. And so, what I think that means is that our thoughts, whatever they might be, one day we might figure out a way. To communicate our thoughts um, through immaterial means. What that means, I don't know. I don't know. You know, it's just ideas. <laughs> but if you want to get get back to the to the uh, core concepts, to the um, I guess real life as we see it today, um, perhaps perhaps we can see it as as uh, as electromagnetic signals. We already know that our brain, you know. Uh, does in fact communicate in electromagnetic magnetic symbols as well as chemicals you know our brain is just a, a soup kind of electro soup electric soup <laughs> of chemicals um, and we can already measure you know, a lot of these types of signals these beta waves and alpha waves and stuff like that of our brain patterns that's how you know these different um, brain scanning uh, works And so, the question is, will we be able to harness, you know, these electromagnetic signals to then send them, you know, further than than our skulls, outside of our brains? I don't know. Something to think about. So, (laughs) essentially, I'm basically trying to converge a whole lot of different ideas together. Because I think that's where the fun comes in. And, um... Shoot, there's so much you can do with this, right? But I'm going to go ahead and um, get down to the brass tacks of what, what what we can do to establish, you know, these ideas today. Like, what kind of ideas might we be able to execute today with today's technology? I think there are some things that we can, we can do today um, with this kind of radical thinking. That might actually be feasible. Alright, so some ideas I had, right? We know space travel is going to be incredibly wealthy, incredibly uh, wealth building exercise. It's going to be incredibly valuable for us because. There's so much materials in space, you know, and of course there is. I mean, like on Earth, this is just Earth itself is an object in space. (laughs) And there are 10 times, 100 times, 1,000, a million times as many um, materials out there in space in our own solar system than there is to be found on Earth. And once we start mining those materials, once we start exploring those materials, we'll be able to... Build Whatever we want We'll be able to to You know Have a truly abundant system um, And I think that will Greatly Kind of empower us to, to live the type of lives That we want to live And this is something That can happen Within our lifetimes That's what's even more interesting Is that um, We're finally getting to a point Where It's going to be Incredibly difficult To like to like not move forward (laughs) Um, like there's so many people that want to explore space and there's so many people that can build the tools to explore space so the only thing really stopping us is some catastrophe so hopefully we can (laughs) you know build um, solutions against that and I think one of those solutions is to combat our own kind of human immaturity right we can build tools to to catch asteroids to uh, you know stop stop another dinosaur extinction event but we can't really or at least that we haven't really thought about building tools to stop our own greed or to stop our own foolishness to stop our own short sighted I own myopia Myopia? I don't know <laughs> You get my point though Is that we haven't really Done much To improve our maturity level As a species And so We've ended up creating our own The tools to our own destruction These nuclear weapons And global warming Pollution Um not even in the global warming sense, but just in the sense of, you know, messing up our, the own, envi- our own environments that we're living in and uh, making them inhabitable. Poverty and just a number of things that we've created out of our own failures to handle ourselves, to handle our own emotional and physiological and psychological kind of Discrepancies, kind of problems, right? We have all these mental constructs or mental models about the world, like, you know, what is ethical, what is right, um, how to be decent human beings, and all this. But we rarely ever extrapolate that into products, into actual tools to help every human being, you know, be good human beings. <laughs> so I think. We can use this, these ideas of metacognitive science and, and um, these ideas of meditation, these ideas of consciousness, to create some something—a uh, suite of tools, really—to help us be better people, be better, a better humanity. And we're we're on that road already. That's what's good about, you know, this, this uh, current stream of social good and, and human, humanistic capitalism and stuff like that. Is that is people are starting to realize that it's becoming profitable <laughs> to build something like, you know, Calm.com where you have, it's an app that shows you how to meditate, you know, how to take care of yourself. Self-care is an incredibly important aspect to what it means to be a good human being. And um, I think we need to have more things like that. Like, what if we had an app that shows you, you know, empathy, that really helps you understand what it feels like to be another person, to be somebody that's impoverished, to be um, somebody that's that's typically uh, discriminated against, or even to be on the uh, To be a person that has massive amounts of wealth But is massively depressed You know, on all sides of humanity We have this massive friction This massive uh, chasm in empathy And the ability to really understand What our fellow humans are feeling and thinking and doing Are feeling and thinking when they're doing And we need to create more tools to close this gap Because that will Will allow us to build better societies And the um And you can see this in history right Throughout history what has allowed us to create Bigger To create civilizations and to create Um good neighborhoods And good societies tribes The whole idea of tribalism all falls Under the idea of empathy Of knowing that hey this person Is like me You know they feel this thing They they like this thing um and thus, I can connect with that person. I can understand them. And so, we're, we're, we're together. We're in, our, we're in the same tribe. You know, that's where tribalism came from. Empathy. And unfortunately, we've gotten to the point where we've... Where we've treated... Where we're starting to treat, like, other tribes, other groups of people, as different species. As whole different, you know... <laughs> uh beings like we don't even see these people as the same type of people we are nowadays like that and that's not that's not a thing of modern technology i don't think that's a fault of modern technology i think that's a fault of of um immaturity like i said before right um when you're a child analogies and are so great look <laughs> so get it when you when you're a child it's easy for you to to connect with other their kids you know they look like you they, they're a little You know you have all these adults around and you see another little one (laughs) and you know that that person is probably like you You know that person is probably treated like a kid just like you that person likes to play too you go out and play you can it's amazing when you see kids you know go out and play in the playground they can just make friends with anybody with all these other kids playing around they've never seen them before never talked to them but when they get in the playground they they go at it you know (laughs) and I think that's why that shows you that empathy is kind of natural to us but when we grow up as we start to grow, we, we start to get in, get in our own heads about, you know, about things. And that is so clear when you get to the teenage level. <laughs> we all know that, you know, teenagers, right? <laughs> we were all there before and we all just, just often don't like teenagers because it, it kind of shows us the some of the worst parts of humanity. And I don't say that as like, oh, teenagers are all bad. No, I say that as a person who was a teenager and understand, you know, and that has, it. That has, I'm only 25, I, I, that was very recent for me, you know, <laughs> I still understand what it feels like and why, you know, we, we kind of act like that. And it's because we have this huge, confusing confluence of, of new, new feelings, of new emotions, of new ideas. That come into our heads, that come into our lives, and that just catch us astray, like just just catch us off the wall. And so we we act out. We try to explore. We try to do this. We try a bunch of things as teenagers because so much more is new about the world at that point. And so humanity, I think, has come to the same level, to the same mature uh, um, stage in our maturation of kind of being teenagers and where we have a lot of new things and we have new technology but we also have new uh, people we have like a seven billion people maybe even almost eight billion by now humans on this earth um, not only that but we have more knowledge about the universe about reality about consciousness about this that and the other we have all these new things coming at us and we haven't really had the chance to sit down and figure this stuff out as a teenager You know, when you feel overwhelmed with the emotions and with this, that, and the other, you cut off. You either cut off or you, or you, uh, what's the term? Uh, You act out, right? As a teenager, when you get, when you get crazed, when you get overwhelmed, you either cut yourself off, you become really insular, really depressed, really, (laughs) you know, dark. Or you be, you get um, you act out, you go become a rebel, you go drinking, you go partying, you go this this that and the other, you know whatever it takes to express yourself, whatever it takes to figure out like some way to manage these new feelings and emotions and ideas. But as humanity, you know that is that is a l- lot more harmful than as a teenager doing it, because as a singular individual teenager, you're just one person, you know you just do your thing, whatever. Um, as long as you don't kill yourself or kill somebody else, that's fine, <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll grow out of it or you'll learn from it, whatever. But as humanity, um, and really, it's not even just humanity, it's it's I an mean, it's, it's obvious, it's a obvious uh, problem of scale. You know, as more and more people come into this spot at the same time, you have more and more problems, like in high school. High schools and um, even middle schools are so annoying and so frustrating because of this. You have a whole bunch of, you know, teenagers in one place and they're all acting out or they're all depressed or they're all, you know, a fusion of depression acting out and this, that, and the other, you know. <laughs> and so you, you take high school and you blow it up to uh, a state. You blow it up to a city, uh, you know, city and then a state. And you blow it up to the world. And you can see where I'm going with this. So all that to say that we need to realize where we are as a society and we need to build apps products whatever it takes to manage ourselves to manage our own agency to manage the things that we're feeling um and once we do that we'll be able to progress into a, a adulthood you know as a society as a humanity we'll be able to empathize again you know And again, it's very important that we do sit down and do this. That we do create apps. That we do create some type of product that allows us to communicate with each other, to communicate our emotions, to be open with communicating our vulnerabilities. Because if we don't, then that means we're only going to grow into adulthood as a you know, just like a like an um, ill-associated or you know a teenager that never really learns how to manage their own emotions. They become a codependent, you know, adult. <laughs> they become adult, a man-child or, you know, uh, <laughs> a grown person that isn't really grown, that is not mature, you know, that is not able to deal with when they feel overwhelmed or not able to deal with stress, not able to deal with, you know, um, just anything. <laughs> and it's, it's so obvious when you look at it like that, right? So I think we need to look at it like that as a, as a society. And that will allow us to really grow to the point where we can finally solve these big problems that we have in the world. Because a lot of these big problems comes from our inability to really come to light or you know face our own kind of mental and emotional tr- uh, troubles. Like We always talk about greed. We always talk about selfishness. We always talk about egoism or egotism. Egotistic Egotisticism Yeah, egoism <laughs> um, All these Negative problems That we Apathy You know we, we talk about these things But we don't really talk about Why We feel them It's not because humans are bad It's not because humans are evil It's not because we're stupid Anything like that It's because we're humans <laughs> Just like a child Is not dumb Just because they're ignorant Or just because You know They're They're too young to have A number of experiences you don't call a child dumb because of that. You know, they're young. They're learning. That's the whole point of being a child. That's the whole point of being a teenager is to learn how to deal with this massive influx of growth and change. And as a people, we haven't really done that. We haven't really figured out how to deal with massive change. And um, so, yeah, that's my thing right there. Got to stop for now, but... Think about that. Think about the, the things you're doing in life right now and how you can help humanity deal with those types of problems. And, and if I understand most people don't think on this level, you don't have to think on a, oh, I'm, I'm, how I got to solve the world's problems. No, just think about your level. Right. For you, when you were a teenager, what did you do or what did somebody else do to help you manage your emotions? you know if you never got to manage your emotions if you never <laughs> felt like you had that chance what do you think would would have helped you you know to be a more well adjusted teenager to and, in order to grow into a well adjusted adult what do you think would be would have been most helpful to you or what was most helpful to you take those lessons and apply them teach somebody else those lessons blog about them podcast about them talk about them, whatever it takes. Bye-bye.